Yo, what's up? This is Patrick, and welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. And we got a win. The first win of the season. How about that? Beating the lowly Chicago Bulls on that uh, almost last second three-pointer by Damian Lee, as uh, my old high school coach would say. Uh, Don't forget to guard the inbounder. So this game just proves that Steph Curry should never wear cornrows again during the season because that instantly jinxes the team and they are 0-2 with him having cornrows. So please, Steph, don't don't do that again. This game was basically a game between two bad teams. And when I call the Warriors a bad team, it's not because I think all their players are bad or the roster is trash or whatever. It's because it's a team that just is a bunch of individuals right now who haven't learned how to play with one another. You're seeing a little bit more familiarity out there every now and then, but still today there were times where it just looked like a bunch of dudes going ISO and that was strange. For the most part, you know, they weren't looking good in places, not hitting shots, but luckily the Bulls are a worse team than the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets, who actually both lost as well on Sunday. When Damian Lee hit that shot, I had this feeling. It wasn't so much of like, yeah, like jubilation or anything. It was kind of like, all right, we won a game, you know, like a team needs those, especially a team that doesn't have an identity yet. And if you lose a lot, you start getting, of course, that identity of being a losing team. So it's kind of nice just to sneak one in. You don't want to go home 0-4, and and hopefully they go home 2-2. and But this actually guarantees that they're not going to go winless in the first two weeks of the season, which is psychologically kind of huge. It seems that Kerr is still really experimenting and mixing rotations. He started Juan Toscano-Anderson, and I really, really like that dude's energy. He does a lot of the little things. He's definitely one of those hustle player types, but just he just doesn't have seemingly like NBA speed. He doesn't have the quicks for it. I think that's kind of what holds him back. Skill-wise, Like I think he's serviceable, but I just wish he was a little bit faster for his size. And for some reason, we're still not seeing Kent Bazemore out there. I have no idea why. I've guessed that maybe it's because the coaching staff wants to give some of these other guys a chance to see what they can give, what Jordan Poole has, what Damian Lee has, what Juan Toscano Anderson has, you know? I've heard on other podcasts from people that Bazemore really isn't a Steve Kerr type player, and that could all be true. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I do like Bazemore's energy and everything. James Wiseman's game was a lot less impactful tonight. He did some good things. Uh, But, you know, you could see a couple areas where he really, really needs improvement, like his passing touch on a fast break. He threw it up to uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. and just overthrew him. And I think there's other places where he needs to learn how to hit guys. But he had a nice post up left handed jump hook, which went in. He hit another three pointer. Uh, I think that makes him five of six for the season. But he also missed a couple jumpers pretty badly. I think he aired one out, maybe two. It feels like those were quicker shots, right? So in the shots that he's hit, he's been wide open and he's had time to kind of go through his motion and wind up really deliberately. 
one of his shots tonight, he seemed to have to shoot it a little bit more quickly, and maybe that's why he missed so badly. But that's just a uh, something to take note of. And I've said in the past that his motion seems a little bit slow, so maybe that's an adjustment that he learns down the road. His defense was a little iffy. There was one Zach Levine drive and dunk where I thought Wiseman was going to catch up to him and meet him at the rim. And I was actually really anticipating it, but Wiseman didn't actually challenge it. And I was like, yo, <laughs> that's 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 kind of what you're there for, you know? So I'm sure the coaches will point that out. And as he gets comfortable with his defensive rotations and where he's supposed to be. So again, these are part of the growing pains, especially on defense. Defense can be tougher to get accustomed to than the offensive side of the ball. You know, it wasn't one of those games where he had free reign to to just do whatever he does. There was no garbage time. Steve Kerr opted for Kevon Looney in crunch time and they won. So it worked, you know, just for that veteran presence and defensive presence in a close game. Man, Kelly Oubre Jr. though, uh, he has not hit a three-pointer still. And I I feel for the dude because uh, I'm sure he's all up in his head, you know, the pressure just keeps mounting and mounting and it looks like he's forcing it. It looks like he's not taking certain shots because he doesn't want to miss. And maybe there's just pressure, you know, he's in a contract year and he's getting this reputation of like a terrible shooter all of a sudden. And he also has like sometimes this weird, like his energy, it feels like this JaVale McGee energy. There was one time where a loose ball, I think he swiped it from somebody and it was going out of bounds and he and Steph were going for it and Ubre dove for it. And I was like, actually kind of scared that he was going to run to Steph's leg or something. That's what it felt like. But he did a lot of other things. He had a ton of rebounds. I think he had like 10 rebounds. He had some steals. So he's active on the court. He's not sulking. He's trying to do things regardless of whether or not his shot is going down. So I can appreciate that. I do appreciate that. And I know his shot will go down eventually. But once he starts clicking, and I know he will, unless he goes through some weird Andres Bedrin's free throw, I used to be able to hit these and I can't hit them anymore because psychologically I'm screwed. You know, unless he goes through something like that, then I I think they'll be okay as the team starts hitting its groove. Andrew Wiggins had a decent line. Um, he hit, I think, close to 50% of his shots. He was aggressive, which I really liked. But again, man, it's just kind of a bummer. Like you hear about Maple Jordan and you know that he's 25 years old and you just hope that he would kind of throw it down hard or dominate around the basket on drives. You know, you just don't see that athleticism. And I guess we probably won't. I mean, that's just might be who he is at this point. But when he's shooting from the field, you know, it felt for a while that he would alternate from swishing a shot to missing really, really badly, just like back and forth, back and forth. Again, I mean, I'm glad that he was hitting shots and that he was taking it to the Chicago Bulls. And without him, like the Warriors are not in this game, they don't win. But, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully like both he and Oubre eventually can can get back to their averages at least. And then we'll see what happens after that once they hit their rhythm if <laughs> they hit their rhythm. But regardless, it's good to get a win, uh, especially without Draymond Green playing today or scheduled to play in the Detroit Pistons game coming up. Of course, the elephant in the room is that Marquise Chris has a broken leg and 
He is out for the season. I am super bummed about that because I really, really like that dude. Uh, I liked him when he was on the Phoenix Suns. He seemed like kind of a knucklehead, but he had a certain type of aggression and chip on his shoulder, on the court at least. And it seemed like he was just finding a groove with the Warriors, anchoring that second team center position. And I know he was in a contract year. He was going to be a free agent. So hopefully, I mean, he's still young, and hopefully this injury is something that he can come back 100% from, and um, he can just continue his career, whether it's here with the Warriors or, you know, moving on elsewhere. And in terms of center, who they can get to replace Marquise Chris, I mean, right now they have Wiseman, they have Looney, uh, they have Alan Smilagich, the divisive smiley, who is probably not ready and might be more of a power forward. But, you know, like you look at free agents available, Dwayne Dedman is a name that jumps out at everybody. But I have no idea. I have no idea what the um, what the next move would be in that respect. But they definitely need somebody. I mean, they put Pascal at center for a bit. And, I mean, it worked a little bit, but, you know... We'll see. They might try to experiment with that a little bit longer. You know, then basically you have four centers once Draymond gets back. And so you have the seven foot or seven one James Wiseman, then the six nine Kavon Looney, then the six six Draymond Green, and the six six Eric Paschal. Can they survive like that? I don't know. We shall see. But man, yeah, dude, like the Warriors seem cursed sometimes, right? Like it's either like the city of Oakland has cursed them or the Oakland City Council or Commission or whatever, whoever the Warriors owe $40 million to, like they have like a voodoo doll. But either way, man, like hopefully you can't have bad luck all the time and you can't shoot poorly all the time. So hopefully the averages start evening out for for the Warriors. And Steph, we can't forget Steph. He was being aggressive. He's missing a lot of threes, missing a lot of shots, uh, having a tough time. He's working really, really hard. You can see sometimes you get a little frustrated, and that's all understandable. But he had a great fourth quarter. You know, he single-handedly like kept them in the game and put them in position to win in the final few minutes. So uh, that's encouraging. Hopefully, his shooting continues you know maybe he's unlocked something and going up against the pistons hopefully comes out hot you know if the warriors can pull that one off and they come back home two and two with draymond on the horizon getting his win back then things are starting to look a little bit more positive you know you try not to have a knee-jerk reaction with all these games coming so fast and frequently. You just take it day by day, and hopefully you see some progress and the organization and the coaching staff start sorting things out a little bit better. Their rotations, their schemes, if they need to simplify, if they need to change, if they need to just go to more Wiseman-Curry pick and roll, if they should move away from some of the stuff they did traditionally. Because I said in the uh, recent episode, like, The thing that kind of bums me out is that the beautiful brand of basketball that Steve Kerr brought to the Warriors, that that's gone because the type of player that he has now on his roster is not built for that skill-wise, kind of basketball, IQ-wise, experience-wise. So we'll see how those adjustments go. 
And, um, you know, it's all a process. It's an ongoing process. And uh, uh, that's what makes it fun, you know, because we don't know what's going to happen. And that's what keeps keeps me uh, keeps me watching. Anyway, uh, that's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, feel free to give me a shout at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, on Twitter. And be sure to check us out at OaklandWarriors.com. And be sure also to subscribe to the Oakland Warriors podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time. And go Dubs. Go Dubs.